Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Every time. Hello, welcome to Utopia. Stephen Chicken joined down the line by David Hartrick. How are you doing, David? Sorry, I can't stop laughing. Just... Just to let people know, when we start recording, I always say an incredibly rude swear word just to make sure Steve's on his toes in the edited suite. And it's just really <laughs> made me laugh this week for some reason. Yeah, well, do you know who's not laughing, Dave? The Huddersfield Town fans. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not been a good good few days. Uh, they played against Stoke on Saturday, and the positive is they got their first point of the new year. They didn't lose again. The bad news is that was a game they really should have won. That is two points dropped, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, context and everything in football. And we were talking before the game, Steve, and we both thought that a point would be pretty decent. But the context changes immediately when Norrington Davies gets sent off. So a couple of people saying they weren't sure whether that was a red card. And I don't know what challenge they were looking at. But, I mean, he was out of control. The ball was half a foot away and he caught him above the ankle. So I don't get it. If, that, if that's not a red card, I'm not too sure what a red card is. Yeah, he skimmed off the top of the ball and hit him hit him twice. Yeah, so, uh, and, it, and yeah. it was a scissor challenge, which are, so, you know, mm. unofficially banned. So, uh, yeah, that was a red card. I mean, even, even the Stoke manager said it was a red card. So, But I think the disappointing thing is that Stoke then just put themselves into basically a 4-4 and then quite a big gap and then a 1. And Town were facing a low block team again and again... They struggled, you know, there's there's no getting away from that fact. The problem is that we're trying to be positive and we're trying to say that Carlos is definitely going to be the one who's going to turn this club around and take him forward. But Town are still very, very easy to play against, which is if you get yourself into a low block and keep your shape and stay disciplined, Town are struggling to break teams down. And it feels like this is the conversation we've been having for about two years three years yeah um i mean i've only been doing it for 18 months but it does feel like three years yeah so but let, let we should start on a positive really and town got on the front foot and the, the first i thought the first really until the penalty i thought town looked pretty good but we were sitting there saying they've got to get a second they've got to kill this off and the penalty was just so frustrating because it was a terrible error from Keogh and then like our lights are but some of his defending you just don't know where it comes from one of the first things you're taught as a defender is don't go to ground in the box unless you're 100% sure of winning the ball and he didn't he had Vallejo just behind him he didn't need to he, he didn't need to make the challenge in the first place and he certainly didn't need to make the challenge like that and it was mm. You're, you're asking the referee a question. Never ask the referee a question that he has to answer. I thought the referee had a really good game, actually. I thought it was worth saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he got every every big decision right. Town had two penalty shouts. I don't think either of them were penalties. I think Pippa and Campbell went down much too easily. No, but 
I maintain what I said on Saturday. If Pippa doesn't go down like that, if he goes down normally, he'd have got the pen. It's it's yeah. the fact that it's the fact he puts the leg out to one side and then is going down before he gets the touch that costs him the penalty. If he'd have just run through and been tripped normally, he would have got the pen. That was so frustrating. The Campbell one was was I don't even think Campbell <laughs> believed for a minute it was either to be honest yeah, yeah. i mean we know town's record with penalties this season anyway so <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't have made much difference um but no i mean the, the sar thing was bad the keo thing for me was was if anything worse because he'd done the same thing two minutes before and yeah. got away with it yeah like they managed to get back and, and make up for the fact that he'd given it away and he did literally the same thing again but closer to his own goal um and you know if you're not going to be on your guard with your passing two minutes after you've just given the opposition a chance to go through on goal then when are you going to be um i thought that was really really poor and we talked a lot about the defensive issues last week uh i think maybe we need to talk about the attacking ones more this week um but yeah i mean that was poor i think i think as it stands surely we i mean and we said last (laughs) this is from five days six days after we were saying they need more stability in that back four but i feel like at this point at the moment schindler and Sturman are fit to go back into that back four they need to put them in because i don't think sar has been sar before was having two good games and then a bad one and i feel like at the moment he's having one good one and then three bad ones Mm. um and perhaps that's that's harsh perhaps it's just the pile up of, of errors makes it seem worse than it is but I just feel like he needs a bit of time out the side and and to feel like he's 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 not irreplaceable because we know that Carlos likes to have a right footed left back uh, sorry a right footed centre back and a left footed centre back and you would like to think that Saar doesn't feel like he, that place is his automatically just because he happens to be left footed yeah and I thought it was quite interesting that Keogh was obviously the man who was tasked with hitting the diagonal and hitting the outball and trying to break the lines um, on Saturday there are a couple of times first half where he tried to drop it drop it into the pocket of space for a wingman to actually go long with it um, which I think Town need to do because I think I think the passing football they're playing is is admirable and is good but I think in the championship in particular there are games where you have to mix it up and I hate to mention them again but one of the things Bielsa does he's not quite as rigid as people make out one of the the things he tends to does is he will keep his players in formation but he will change their range of passing so he he essentially when he does all this fantastic work he doesn't just then tell his players to play exactly the same way he likes to adjust how they play and where he is essentially what he looks for is where the space is on the pitch and if he thinks the space on the pitch is going to appear if you hit a 40 yard ball into the same area behind the fullback then that's what he'll instruct his team to do and I think I think town need to need to do a bit more of that really I I think what Corbyn is trying to do is is really really admirable but being flexible and adaptable they they are really admirable qualities too and I think being able to mix it and change it is something that he needs to work on a little bit because they had 24 really good minutes I thought town then they conceded the penalty out of nowhere when they they were on top in the game and it was another defensive error and almost instantly it just changed the game didn't it suddenly Stoke were in it suddenly Stoke were up for it suddenly Stoke players are finding space James McLean found a little bit of space 
place and they were they were the team that were going to score next yeah we i was going into half time thinking they're going to lose this game in fact i messaged you and said town are town lose this yeah game. yeah the reason you have to message me just because somebody said to me it's really weird when you say you text each other when i know you're at the games together it's because we only sit one row apart but we have to be two meters distant so it's easier to text each other than shout across the press box uh, yeah, and you've got headphones on all game because you're talking to an Opta guy at, yeah. at the other end of the line as well, aren't you, sir? And people don't like it if I just start shouting chicken across the press box <laughs> in an empty stadium. <laughs> chicken! Uh, so, yeah, so the game changed. And as I said, the sending off then changed the context of the game again. And it was just, there's a very famous drill in football that's attack for your defence and the defence get a point if they reach the halfway line. And that's essentially what it became and James McLean slotted in at, at wing back and basically Stoke just stayed in shape were really professional just controlled the space and the only breakthrough town got you know Lewis O'Brien hit the bar with what would have been an absolutely wonderful goal like but they are the fine margins aren't they Bakuna had one off the line as well yeah. from McLean um or close to off the line he was you know two yards out of goal but the, the keeper was beaten it was heading in and he, he headed it away um but yeah the the problem they've got is it feels like we when they're behind, when they're chasing a goal what Corbrand tends to do is just do more of the same but put more players in the final third kind of thing um and there's even times where that sort of seems to almost have a, the the opposite effect because they just lose all sense of shape you know we, we've talked about yeah. they've ended up been playing almost like a a two three five at times mm. um and sometimes more than that and just dissolves the chaos doesn't it yeah exactly and i think it's apparent and we'll get on to don't worry we'll get on to transfer deadline day and we'll get on to reviewing the transfer window but you know it was obvious that the profile of strikers they were looking at that they wanted a, a big man they wanted a, a steve Mounier replacement and there was a lot of talk in in the last transfer window about whether town needed to sign a striker i maintained that i didn't think they did i think my reason on that was sound at the time which is they had Danny Ward we didn't know he was going to have the injury problems that he has had to the extent he has um and they had Josh Karoma as their their goal scorer that was the plan was to have him replace Garland Grant and if you've got your left winger scoring goals you don't need your centre forward to score quite so many the onus is is sort of reversed uh you know I think if your left winger scores five goals and your centre forward scores 19 then no one is particularly complaining but weirdly when it's the other way around people think it's a problem um we talked about this last week but I think there's definitely a case now that with the personnel they've got on the wings and particularly with Aaron's being a left-footed left winger and Benza being a right-footed right winger they want to be putting crosses in the box they don't want to be cutting inside and shooting um, which does change the need they have for the centre forward and Fraser Campbell is not suitable for that role and he has been poor the last few games there's there's no getting away from that he's running on fumes I think <laughs> I think he, he needs he needs a break you know that's that's the reality it's it's a uh, tough season and he's played a sort of monstrous amount of football for a striker of his age in the championship you only have to look at Stoke and the way they've rotated their forward options to to see um I've been more you know we've had the debate week on week and I've been more in the camp that they do need a striker I but I see your reasoning completely but context shifts in football all the time and Mm. Going into that transfer window, Town were in a far better position than they are today as we record this podcast. And are we are we going to move on from Stoke and talk about the transfer window now? 
Yeah, I'm not sure there's there's too much more to say about Stoke other than that it was poor and they should have won the game. Um, and, you know, I didn't even do five conclusions after the game. I did five questions because the, the conclusions I would have drawn would have been exactly the same stuff we've been saying all season. You know, they can't defend leads. They struggle in attack. They can't attack against low blocks. It's all the things that we've just sort of touched on there. Um, so it is what it is. They, they have to do better than that. And there is a lot of pressure on the next two results now. I mean, they they pretty much, we said they had to beat Wickham. And I think now we have to add, and they have to beat Luton. The problem is with that point. Wickham game, though, is that Wickham have analysts and they have opposition analysts. They're just going to get into a low block, Steve. That's all they're going to do for 90 minutes. They, they would take a point from that game happily. So what's going to happen is instead of it being a Millwall where they went 1-0 up early, and then switched and retreated to try and hold on to it or a Stoke game where they get a man sent off so they retreated they're going to face a team who are going to play like that from the first minute so really you've got to have a couple of game plans in place so that if if after half an hour it's clear what you're trying is not going to work you've got to have somewhere else to go something else to try so it it suddenly looks like quite a tough fixture that it, it really does yeah um and they need to to find solutions they need to find a way to get it working because as i say i don't i don't think fraser campbell is the right fit for for the wingers that they have but those are the wingers they have so unless he's going to switch and benzer and aaron's over or consider putting aaron's on the bench and play perhaps bakuna or holmes on the left wing to cut inside i would go with bakuna because holmes isn't his record his goal scoring record's not fantastic at least bakuna has has a few goals in him um you know i think he scored six last season Season and obviously got one. Um, Holmes was really good well when he Preston came City. on. By the way, looked really good. I thought. Yeah, promising. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. So yeah, they they need to find a way to make it work. But I just. I can't get sort of, and this will tie into the transfer window, but someone asked me, because I'm taking a few days off now uh, after the transfer window. Uh, I'm, I'm off until the Stoke game. Uh, sorry, until the Luton game. Uh, it'd be quite something if I was off till the next Stoke game, because that won't be till next season now. Um, I'm off until the Luton game now, uh, apart from this podcast. So someone asked me for you know my input on what town's best 11 would be um, for a piece for later this week. And... I've included some of the players that are going to be fit in February. And, you know, the the lineup would be, for me, Schofield, Pippa, Stearman, Schindler, Toffolo. Uh, Holmes or Bakuna, either would be fine at this point. Hogg, O'Brien. And then Mbenza, Campbell, Aarons. I think that's a good team. That is a team that can get points and should be winning in this division. But there's tweaks and small changes they need to to make to make it work because it hasn't been working over the last couple of games to an extent. I think Bristol City, the second half was great, um, although there's in, t- in an attacking sense, but again, they only got the one goal. So we have to temper that, which is why we're saying Campbell isn't suited for this system uh, or for these personnel to play alongside these personnel. But they can make those tweaks. And I think it's too early to say, well, it's a write-off now. They're done with the personnel they've got. They're knackered because they need Karoma. And if it, if Karoma isn't here, it doesn't work. I think it's too early to say that. Yeah. I mean, you're if you were to ask me the same question about best 11, I think I would probably be exactly the same as you, except I would definitely have Holmes in instead of Bakuna because I just... As good as Bakuna is in some games, he's, he's a liability in others. So... I think Holmes will represent a far more consistent option there. But it is it is the lack of a plan B that's killing them, in my honest opinion, because the very, the very obvious 
to play against town you you know what they're going to do they you can tell from a lot of the goals that they do score they're all very they fall into very similar categories and i think iting is a huge miss um because i think iting was somebody who got into space very intelligently and when you get into those spaces you just create another option naturally and you you create a different nothing else you create a different angle for the attack and I don't think they've got anybody else like Iting there um Holmes as good as he is I don't think he's like Iting he will do it a different way he is sort of higher energy hustle and bustle you know get make things happen off his own back so could could Vallejo do that? Do you think? Well, I I had this conversation with Saturday. I like Vallejo when he's not facing his own goal. When when he's looking the other way, I think he's too slow to be a sort of true attacking midfielder. I don't think he has the acumen to be a defensive midfielder. I think he's an old fashioned, all purpose central midfielder, as in give him the ball and let him facilitate others. He he's really good at looking up straight away which I know sounds almost damning with faint praise but there are others who don't do that so often he plays the right pass instead of going backwards instead of just going to a fullback and I think that that that's an effective weapon in certain systems there's nothing wrong with trying if if your plan a isn't working there's nothing wrong with trying a 4-4-2 or a 3-5-2 or you know, anything along them lines. And Vallejo could well be a, a, a weapon in that sense. But I think you have to... The caveat I would make, and I got... Somebody said I use caveat a lot this week, so I've just used it again there. Um, but I, I think that you can only play him against certain midfielders. I, I think if he's going to get closed down really, really quickly, then it, it's, it, it's not the right game for him, really. You want the energy of... Hog O'Brien and, and Holmes really snapping and biting at heels and running into space themselves. Yeah, he's it's clear that he's a, a Chabi Alonso not having a Mascarano. Yeah. Like yeah. As, as a deep line player. Uh, funnily enough, I think Vallejo, I think the games you maybe play Vallejo are actually against the better teams who yeah. aren't just all, you know, roller coasters and fireworks and trying to trying to bite your ankles, who are actually fine with giving you a little bit of space because they want to control the game, they want to affect the game in their own way. So I wouldn't be surprised if Alejo does become an option against better teams going forward. We'll see. Yeah. So we should talk about the transfer window. We've talked a bit about Dwayne Holmes there. I think this, would we both We'll just have a couple of minutes on it, Steve, yeah. <laughs> I think we would probably both agree that Dwayne Holmes probably the the star signing out of the the six they they made. Yeah, I, I've I've been opening my admiration for that signing. I think it's a good. I think it's a good signing. I think it. I think it's good long term signing as well. You know, you you could get two or three good years out of Dwayne Holmes. You can. You don't have to play Bakuna endlessly, hoping for him to come back into form if he's out of form. Or O'Brien. Or, or O'Brien, but I think with O'Brien, even when he's out of form, he's providing at least more energy yeah. than Bakuna does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think Holmes is a very good signing. Yeah, um, so let, let's run through them in order, because this is how they are in my head, I suppose. Um, Danny Grant was announced before the window even opened, uh, and then was about to make his debut in the FA Cup. He seems seems a, a really nice, determined lad. Um, we, we got to interview him before the, the Plymouth game, and and on, and when he still thought he he was going to play, and then he got injured that afternoon, and he's going to be out until sort of later this month now. 
Um, and we'll put, actually, Sorba Thomas in the same camp here because a similar kind of profile. Carlos Gorbrand has actually used the words project player himself, but they are project players, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. No, um, Grant is like, he's more of an unknown to me than Thomas. Thomas has sort of been the next big non-league thing for quite a while, really. There's been lots of clubs who've been sniffing around him for a long time. Um, I think with Thomas, I think you've seen that he's come straight into B-team football and he's doing very well by all accounts, um, providing plenty of assists, certainly, by the looks of it. I, I, I think... One or the other, though, has got to contribute a little bit before the end of the season. I just think because of the nature of town squad, I'm going to say the name Diakabi now, but Diakabi has gone. So even though he hasn't been an option for a while, that is now definitely no longer an option. So I think there is a world where Danny Grant certainly is expected to contribute before the end of the season. I'm not sure about Thomas. There was a lot of talk about him going out on loan and it hasn't happened, has it? Yeah, that's. I was going to make that point. Thanks a lot, Dave. Um, yeah, no, that they, they they said when he came in that they were going to have a look at him before they decided whether to send him out on loan or not. Um, and he's not gone. So that's interesting. He was in the squad against Bristol as well. He didn't come on, but he was there. So well, that, That's it. And like I say, I think one or the other has to has to contribute because I know they've played Bakuna wide a couple of times. I mean, they've even shifted O'Brien out there a couple of times in games, but it's not, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. And I just, I, I think we're all waiting for Aaron's to get a muscle injury because he's never played, you know, five games in a row in his career to date. So his body needs to adapt and change to training and playing regularly, etc. So, yeah, I, my Irish friend rates Danny Grant highly, but he thinks he was surprised he's gone to a championship club. He he thinks he was sort of League One ready and League One level and then, you know, use that as the stepping stone to get up to the championship. I think he's underestimating the, the uh, sort of overestimating the quality of the championship this season, which I, I don't think is brilliant in <laughs> truth. So I think Grant probably features before the end of the season, and I think we're likely to see Thomas as well. Yeah, it feels that way, even if it's sort of trying them out 20 minutes here or there. Um, they don't have a huge amount of, of wing options, as you say, um, behind, you know, especially while Karoma's out, behind Aaron's and, and, and Benzer at the moment. So I think it's almost inevitable. I mean, bit, you know, Pat Jones has been getting appearances and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm as big a future as, as they see for Pat Jones and, you know, for all he's done all right, considering he's 17, I think that's not a situation anyone would prefer to be in. Yeah. So if they can, if they can play, replace him with Thomas or Grant, two players with, uh, with first names for surnames, which is annoying that there you go. Um, then, then yeah, I think they'd prefer to do that. Aaron's were touched on there as well. He, he was the second arrival. Should have been the last arrival of the October window. Um, but I suspect we, well, we'll probably best not dwell on that because everyone knows the situation there. Um, it's good to see him finally come in. I think he's shown glimpses but it's only been glimpses so far but that's probably what you would have expected isn't it yeah I, you know as I said this is a young man that has never really had a proper run in a first team in his career you know a long-term run so he's going to need a bit of time to get up to speed I thought he struggled against Stoke but he struggled by design because they just dropped 
so deep and they they doubled up over that side anyway because they were worried about that Toffolo O'Brien axis. They'd clearly mm. they'd clearly identified that. Um so you had John Obi, who I thought was fantastic actually on the day, but he kept coming over to double up the minute there was there was any sign of any space that side. So it was a tough Michael O'Neill is fantastic. Michael O'Neill's brilliant at that kind of homework, mm. by the way. He did it in the four three as well, which sounds weird to say because they were individual errors, but they targeted Hogg in that game. Yeah. Um, knowing that he was the, the centre of everything for town and, and that's how they got a lot of the errors out of town was by doing that. So yeah, he, he does he is good at that. But Stoke boss. I think we, I think with Aaron's you go back to the the goal against Bristol, and you're right. We have seen flashes. He has looked looked really good. He's pacey. He's clearly got a trick in him. The one thing I haven't seen him do is is put in you know a couple of really effective crosses. But I guess you know that that sort of, that come partly down to the style of play, etc. But I I think he looks all right at the minute. I wouldn't go any further than that. But I think yeah, I think he looks all right. I think he looks a uh, Certainly looks a sound investment, put it that way. Yeah, the, it's worth remembering that these players aren't just going to be here this season. No. You know, the, the, most of them are a permanent signings who are going to be here next season as well, which is, you know, that you can understand why they feel they have time on their sides. And they, they acknowledge with both, with, with, with these signings, that they are going to take time to get up to speed. I think I understand why people uh, are upset at the lack of urgency in that, um, in hindsight, given the way the results have gone. But it's, it's worth remembering where we were at the start of the window, particularly when Grant and Aaron's were signed. I think people were quite positive about those signings at the time. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll keep going. Richard Keogh, I think you and I were not enamoured with that signing, um, but it's clear that he's there to, to do a job. He's basically there until Stearman and Schindler and Edmunds Green and Elphick are, are back fit. You'd, you'd hope so. I, I think a lot of my reservations that I went into on the, on the pod when they signed him about his lack of speed and bit of the mobility has gone, I, I think we're probably born out in that Stoke game. And I don't just mean from the error that led to the goal. I think he's, I think he's a pers- perfectly reasonable squad option, but what I don't think he is, is a man that you wouldn't start in 15 or 20 of your games that season. And let's be honest, they need Stearman and Schindler back and they need yeah. they need options at the moment they just haven't got the options so players can make mistakes and they're still in the team next week and that's not a that's not a particularly healthy or productive system either because it's not a conscious thing but people are in a little bit of a comfort zone when they think well I've just I've really cocked up there but it, it doesn't matter I'll put it right next week you know sometimes there, yeah. there needs to not be a next week it needs to be as severe as that so and we saw that Carlos was willing to be ruthless you know he dropped Schindler yeah. earlier this season so he was willing to make those decisions which is is heartening but unfortunately he's just not had because of the injuries yeah yeah the ability to do that so so then the sixth signing on deadline day uh Jason Lloydweiler uh goalkeeper he's, he was a free agent he's coming from Fleetwood he's a second or third choice goalkeeper <laughs> like I don't know if there's there's a huge amount to say about that you know they just need an extra goalkeeper after Hamel left Schofield's number one I don't think he's I think there's been things Schofield could have done better but I don't think anyone is was particularly not banging down the door saying for God's sake get him out you need to sign someone senior so just having a second third choice keeper is fine isn't it yeah it's it's tough to get excited about a backup keeper isn't it but 
yeah. It's a very solid, sensible option. And I I would imagine the little bit of research I did, everybody says what a fantastic character he is and how hard he works as a second choice keeper, because some of them do fall <laughs> understandably into a bit of a a bit of a comfort zone to say the least. But apparently he's not like that. He's a really, really good trainer and really good attitude. So I wouldn't be overly surprised if that was extended that deal. Um because it just seems a it's just it's just fine, isn't it? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> it also takes so, a bit of that pressure off Schofield as well though, doesn't it? Which is important. Yeah, and, and helps you know, goalkeepers always talk about how you need they're training together as a unit, so having a good trainer mm. uh, around you is is really important. Goalkeepers always talk about that and how they drive standards for one another. So, yeah, fine, <laughs> you know. Um, but I mean, obviously, the elephant in the room is is they didn't sign a signer on transfer deadline day. I think they were linked with genuinely about ten players um, over the weekend leading up to deadline day. Some of them correctly, some of them not. Um, but they were definitely exploring their options. It's fair to say they were making a lot of inquiries until very late on deadline day as well. So they wanted to get someone in. They didn't get anyone over the line. From what I understand, none of the deals were right. They felt like it was a nice to have and not a, an absolute necessity and that they have enough in the squad to get firing again. And, and for the reasons we talked about, you know, this is largely the same team that did well in the first half of the season, minus sort of Ben Hamer and we talked about Schofield has done fine replacing him. Um, minus Josh Groma, who's back in March anyway. But until then, you've got your extra winger in Rolando Aarons. And uh, and and Dwayne Holmes has, has come in as well. And he's effectively replaced Carol Iting, who's looking like he's going to miss the rest of the season. So I can understand why they look at that and think, well, we did well in the first half of the season. We're going to, even if we only do half as well, we're not going to get relegated. Um, so fine. I can understand that attitude, but I can also completely understand why the fans are uh, tearing their hair out after deadline day because that would have been absolutely miserable to watch Twitter and Sky Sports News all day on Monday. See them linked with so many strikers then no one comes in. Yeah, I... It's it's tough to make any sort of case that I, I said to somebody on Twitter who was asking for my view on it that I think Town have had an okay transfer window because we need to talk about the outs a bit as well. But they had a terrible day yesterday because either they were going for a load of strikers and they'd basically left it too late and couldn't get a couple of deals that other people did over the line or they wanted to be seen to be going for strikers but weren't really. Either ways doesn't create a great optic. A few of the names were quite exciting as well. Adebayo, I think he's a really... He's the one who's got all us analysts quite excited. I think he's a good prospect. It's a big leap up, but I think he was a, he was an exciting one. Um, a couple of the others I was a bit... Uh, certainly more lukewarm on but the way that the way that transfers work is that unfortunately Huddersfield Town became the club that everybody knew was after a striker so then what happens is agents start chucking their clients names out there and it's not because they're trying to get them to Huddersfield Town it's just because they're wanting people to know that they're available and they're wanting to try and get people on the line for them so it, it all became unfortunately town became that club in the championship which which people were using and it was just all a bit unedifying and it wasn't it wasn't good and we don't know we're not at liberty to sort of go into the deals individually or conversations that were had but there's no denying it did not look great yesterday and a lot of fans are sort of you you've got to bear in mind that a lot of fans have been calling out for a striker for a long time and they feel that <laughs> 
town felt they could do without. Then there was seemed to be a sudden realisation that they needed to get a striker and then they'd left it too late and couldn't get one over the line. And that, as I said, it's just not a great optic. It doesn't It doesn't look great. And if the deals aren't right, then you can't just do a deal for the sake of doing a deal. But other clubs got some of those players over the line that we're fairly certain, certain town were talking to. Now, town are well within their rights to walk away from any deal that doesn't suit them. But you have to wonder how serious were they if they if other teams are going and getting these players like Luton went and got Adebayo and that's Luton we're not talking about a Premier League club or you know even a traditional big championship club yeah a derby or a forest yeah Huddersfield Huddersfield Town have to be competing with Luton players they they absolutely have to be um that's that's not not great really not great as I said we don't know all the details of each specific one but if they wanted a striker they should have been able to get something over the line the ladder Ipswich was the one that was seemed to be most heavily linked anyway to me Steve I don't know if that was your impression I it the way that it sort of played out for me was information was quite thin on the ground um from from the club's end they 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 denied a couple um but others were sort of left open ended um is is what i would say so i don't have a huge amount of of uh info beyond what's already out there which obviously we reported and we relayed to everyone um and you know we I was doing my bit trying to prop things up at the town end um, and you know we were able to knock, knock a couple back but yeah it was difficult to get an impression of how far along any of them were or how much interest there was in them how many of them were just sort of more inquiries rather than serious bids I, I believe that Adebayo was, was, was one of them but others and obviously as the day goes on you get less and less time to deal with them as well um, mm. you know so but I, yeah I mean it seems like there was interest there when when you get to the like the real sort of brass tacks of it at the very very end and you hear like the Matt Smith and Joseph Dermich from Norwich they're the ones where I just I think that's probably agents just desperately trying to get anything for their client last minute if I'm brutally honest with you I don't know that for definite town may have been very serious and going after them but historically they're the ones that as i said agents are just working very very at the hard at the end to to get them out but that was definitely the case with isaac's success yeah yeah for instance uh who seems to be in link with town for, is this the third transfer window in a row <laughs> yeah i think so yeah uh and none of them have been a success um <laughs> at least laugh at least laugh don't leave me hanging you never laugh at anything i say on twitter so i mean that serendipity joke the other day was amazing and you i, I got like 12 likes and none of them were from you no so, i was fuming no. about it to be honest um so yeah so it was it it, it was a disappointing end you know it had been an okay window i think we have to be careful and not say it'd been like a fantastic window and because Grant and and uh, Thomas are project players by by design. Holmes is here for the first team. Keo is here to plug a hole. Let's be honest. A reserve goalkeeper and an Aaron's is here for the future as well. An Aaron's so they is here have. For- this is the thing. This is sort of. Uh, I, I'm I'm reluctant to defend the club too much because I've been accused of being too positive and a bit of a cheerleader recently. But uh, I've had people. I did a Q and A in the middle of transfer transfer deadline day, and. I had some people saying they've signed too many old players who are just there to fill gaps. I had other people saying they've just signed a load of project players. That they've actually signed two project players, two players to plug a gap, and two players who are here for the here and now and for next season as well. 
So they do, they have had a bit of a mix of everything. But again, as for all the reasons we've talked about, people are, when, when the big one that they wanted, that the fans wanted, which was the striker, didn't happen, of course they're going to be upset. Yeah, it's the nature as well as though, because like I say, there's been absolutely no indication they were after a striker when everybody has been saying they need a striker. There's been no indication, there's been no links, there's been nothing out there. And then suddenly in 48 hours, they are clearly going out there trying to get a striker and it's if you're a fan and you've been saying this even when times were good if you were saying this in december we must go and get a striker you can't look at and lots of people were to be fair and lots of people you can't look at what ends up looking like a trolley dash at the end with anything other than you know criticism if i'm being brutally honest and i do think they've had an okay window i think it's been fine but then they've just had a really really bad day to finish it and I think the fact they were linked with players right to the very end just shows that there was obviously inquiries firing about all over the place and agents were very, very keen to get Huddersfield Town into the mix for their clients, certainly in just in being talked about. But it does it, it does leave... The problem, I've already talked about contact shifting and they are now short up front for the rest of the season and it is supposed to be a season of progress and they're slipping fast. So they've got to answer these questions on the pitch and that's not easy to do as as they found out. And if they regress over the back end of the season, we don't know if they will or not, Steve. My honest feeling is they'll probably get back to their mean, which is picking up three points every three games one way or another. But if they do regress and they start slipping back, then unfortunately this now looks like a really obvious thing to point to and say, yeah, well, that's why, because we didn't get what we needed at that point. Um, And yeah, it just creates a sort of dark cloud over the club for a few weeks, doesn't it? Yeah. And, you know, those hands might turn out to be right. Um, And again, I've had people saying... That I've, I've been a bit too soft but the thing is is that in my job I need to wait and see what's actually going to happen I can't I can't sit here and say well those are bad investments that they've made in the January window when we've not seen them play yet because you know you and I talk all the time Dave and you and I have private thoughts about things that that we don't necessarily put out there because we know that they are gut feelings rather than mm. being based on anything sort of concrete or anything that we can back up with numbers and I think you and I just our personality types is we are not gonna put a load of opinion out there that we can't support so when we're sort of trying to predict the future we i think we you and i try not to be too knee-jerk about things because you and i had major concerns coming into this season we voiced some of them on this podcast but there's, there's others that it was like i'm not sure about this and then we've been proven wrong um you know the fact that they were relying on on hamer and benza for instance you and i thought that's ridiculous but it turned out that was the right thing to do um and we were you know privately you know had doubts about a couple of the signings they made in the summer who turned out to be good so you have to be we you and i have to be careful but as we talked about before the fans don't have to be careful the fans can can get upset if they want and they're entitled to um but we will see how it goes from here if the striker thing continues to be an issue and they keep you know if we get more games like bristol city where they're creating chances and they're just not putting them away then of course we have to look back on this deadline day and say well that was a colossal uh waste of a day (laughs) yeah it's also worth saying that there's nothing wrong with changing your mind you know like you can't if you hold an opinion you have to put it into print so if 
if Stephen Chicken thinks one thing in November, that doesn't necessarily mean Stephen Chicken thinks the same thing about that issue in February, because there's been a raft of games. There's been a load of stories and narrative. There's been a lot of things that have happened in between. There's outside influences. So the other thing is you have to sort of nail your colours to the mast on enough as it is. If you, if you end up, if you end up doing it on every single thing, then you end up. You also run out of places to go. If if everything is black and white, then you just you you completely run out of things to say, and you end up having to say silly things to try and get the same reaction. So we always take the we always take the view on this pod that we really have to look from a week to week basis. We can't really say, well, I think they're going to look back at that at the end of the season and say that was that was the point. But you look at back at a day like yesterday and what happened and you think well yeah if they do regress there's a very very obvious point to to bring up now there's a very very obvious Mm. thing to look at and say well that's why because we didn't and there's lots of people who phrase it differently some people say they haven't backed the manager some people say they've bought the wrong players some people say they haven't bought enough players but i i think I just I just think it's clear they wanted a striker now and it's clear they probably realised too late and it's clear they struggled to get any deal over the line and the combination of the three is is not good. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree on that. Um but they do have a challenge now, as we've said. They have to get it right on the pitch, they have to find a way to make it work and that's to be fair exactly why they had Carlos Gorbrand is because they have faith in his ability to do that. Um and I think it is worth remembering again that we all had sort of we were in the, all in this mood at the start of the season as well after the Norwich and Brentford games. You know that that Carolitan signing after the Brentford game got absolutely no positive reaction at all because they just just lost three 0 to Brentford, uh, played badly, um, not horrendously but badly, and everyone thought, well, this is another relegation season. And then they went on a run of, you know, ten points in four games after that. So we have been here before if they regress we'll criticize them heavily but we need to leave open the benefit of the doubt and leave open the possibility that they might get back to winning ways yeah. Luton coming up go on well i was going to say the heaviest we've really criticized them is we really went in after that brentford game but we did it purposely because we wanted to set the low point so that we could then talk about areas we, of improvement we saw from there. If it had gone further backwards, we could also say this is where it's, you know, it, 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 it's not happening. They went forwards and we could analyse it properly and say, right, you know, this is, you can see what's changed. You can see what players are playing differently. You can see who's coming to the fore. So, yeah, again, it's about giving yourself some room to be analytical, really, going forward. But I think that the answers have to come on the pitch and they have to come up with a different, even just different angles of attack so that they're asking different questions because the Millwall and Stoke games have just followed exactly the same pattern. And if they're not careful, I think Luton will come out a little bit more and play a bit more on the front foot and will certainly be looking to win that game. But then the Wiccan game, they're going to face exactly the same thing. They're going to face the the low block. They're going to get completely stifled again. So it's a big couple of weeks, really. It's a big couple of weeks coming up. Yeah. You feel like if, if, I mean, if they win neither of those games, they're in serious trouble. Mm. I think we can say that now. I think if they win one of those games and not the other, fans will still be upset, particularly probably if they beat Luton and not Wickham, weirdly. Um, But yeah, we just need to see signs of progress and... uh, we would have, and I think we're actually we're past that. We just need to see points now, and I think 
fans are only going to start to feel better about themselves and about the way the club's going and about everything if they get two wins there. And even then, it's, you know, people, that is what people will have expected. Um, I think really the objective now, and this is potentially difficult given that they've got Middlesbrough and Swansea right in the middle there, but if they can make it so that no one is worrying or talking about relegation by the end of February, that is that would very be good going. Very significant. Very, very significant. Yeah. But I think... I think their average this season should be, like you said before, three, maybe three and a half points, basically, every three games. And if they get back to that, they should be fine. But they suddenly feel a fair way from that. They feel like we've gone back to the side that even if they're 1-0 up, if they concede a goal, you immediately go, oh, no, they're going to lose this. And we didn't have that for a few weeks. We didn't have that. We were looking at them and saying, yeah, well, they can get on the front foot. They can beat teams. They can worry teams. We, and, we were complaining they weren't making 2-0 into 3 Yes, yes, that they weren't December. killing yeah. games off. Now, this is the same season and you've got to be very, very, you've got to be very, very careful not to be too knee-jerk and just toss all of that other stuff out. It's like the transfer window. They've had an okay window. They've had a very bad day, but they've had an okay window. You can't just toss everything else out, but they've got to find a way to get back to that and I, I do I don't just think it's personnel I don't just think it's injuries coming back and suddenly no. there's there's more bodies to bring into this team I think it's a mindset and a it's, it's shifting the needle again and getting them to believe that they can go out there and compete on their own terms and, and beat a side on their own terms. That's what they really need to do. Yeah, well, let's see if they can do it. Right, I think that's everything, Dave, unless you've got anything else to add. Nope. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.